0: Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, as always, Modern Vintage Gamer.
1: What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. I know we were off again last week, but we are back this week, and we've got some really cool stuff to talk about.
0: Yes, we do. And before we get into today's topics, I would like to give a shout-out to today's hat trick of sponsors which are Shamsa, Veniceera, and Daily Beating, all of whom have generously donated at least $100 towards the channel and have earned themselves a sponsor or a dedication for today's episode. Thank you for your generosity and continued support. We do greatly appreciate all the assistance and donations that our community gives to the channel And we continue to thrive to do our best by you, our fans, and hope that everyone enjoys this new episode in which we are going to talk about Nintendo's recent fiscal report where the Switch has shattered expectations with incredibly strong hardware sales for the fiscal year. And Nintendo posted a very impressive figure for software and they've given us guidance for the current fiscal year which is April 1st of 2021 till the end of March of 2022. And we are expecting a lot from Nintendo in that time frame. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, it has the potential of seeing the resurrection of some of Nintendo's sleeping IPs, of which include Metroid, the possibility of Donkey Kong, considering this year is the franchise's 40th anniversary, but also the probability that we see a sequel to one of Nintendo's best franchises, and that is Breath of the Wild 2, releasing within that time frame. And we also cannot forget that Pokemon Arceus has the potential of releasing before the conclusion of the current fiscal year. So we have a lot to go over this episode. We also want to analyze the Switch and its current sales trajectory compared to some of the most successful platforms in history, which include the PlayStation 2, the Nintendo Wii, and the Nintendo DS. But let us start with the fiscal report itself. And that was highly impressive. In fiscal year 20 and 2021, Nintendo had 36 individual titles sell upwards of 1 million copies. Now that also includes third parties. And 22 of these games were published by Nintendo 14 were from third-party publishers, and that's really, really impressive performance from software to see 36 individual games sell upwards of a million copies. And, you know, Nintendo software, as we've said numerous times before, it's evergreen. So titles like Mario Kart sell a million copies pretty much every fiscal quarter. Animal Crossing, the Pokemon games, Smash Brothers. But what we don't know is actually the third party games, because unless the publisher itself comes out and reveals that sales data, we don't know how the games are performing, especially in Western markets. We have an idea in Japan because we have the Media Create and the Famitsu weekly reports. So with this figure, we know that would include titles like Konami's Momotaru and Capcom's Monster Hunter Rise. But to see 14 third-party publishers find success of this magnitude on a Nintendo platform, I think is pretty impressive. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, very, very impressive numbers. I think when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Nate, we were speculating, and I I, I believe you threw out the number 29 million uh, hardware sales, Um. And we were like, nah, that may be a little aggressive, but I mean, they weren't far off on, on that side, you know. Uh-huh. So, and on the software side, it is just unbelievable, you know, an, an unbelievable year. They, they rose um, 36%, you know, bringing lifetime sales to 587.12 million. And of course, Animal Crossing just continues to dominate, Mario Kart continues to dominate. And even Mario 3D All-Stars sold like 9 million units. And it's interesting. I don't want to talk about Mario 3D All-Stars in this episode too much, but (laughs) the fact that they just, you know, they they just cut that off, right? Um, Because we're not really expecting that number to increase at all after this. It's going to be 9 million. Uh, I mean, it may increase a little bit, right? But we're not really expecting it to, to go anywhere from here is very bizarre to me. But... I mean, that also is a big sign of confidence that they know exactly what they're doing. And again, I think that that model is going to probably happen again this year with one of the anniversary games. But to summarize, they had a fantastic year. We were expecting a really great report from them. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe this is their best year. And I think now it's really about, you know, um, going into, into 2021 and predicting how they're going to go. I mean, it seems like that it's going to dip a little bit this year, but it's also, you know, we also have to be very careful when we say that because they just continue to dominate sales. And, uh, you know, it, it's very, uh, it's very easy that that, that may again happen this year, but, I guess they don't have Animal Crossing up their sleeve this year, but you know they they may have some strong titles that have yet to be announced that will really help with on the software side. So very interesting stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see how we'll see how this year goes.
0: One thing that is curious, especially on the software side, is as you mentioned with like Animal Crossing, they don't have a game of Animal Crossing's caliber, and. The sales of Animal Crossing they have slowed considerably when you look at the Q4 report compared to like Q3 and Q2. The game's sales were definitely explosive out of the gate, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with the title's overall sales. I want to emphasize that I am not bashing the game's 32.63 million sales, but it has slowed. It seems as though the audience for the game is satisfied it'll still sell you know another you know a couple million here or there pending the type of updates nintendo could potentially give the game over the course of the next 12 months but one of the titles i think has potential this year to surprise people and it is a game i have i'm not a big fan of i find it to be very minimalistic but after viewing what i have seen on twitter of some of the creations that people are doing with the me creator i think metopia has the potential to yes. draw in and attract some of that Animal Crossing audience and be a sleeper hit for this I, fiscal
1: year. I agree with you. I th- look Metopia is not anything that I'm interested in, and I kind of disregarded it when they announced it. But the more I think about it, you're right. This could be the game that really helps boost sales this year, and not not to mention, you know, or not to forget, there's also. The, the the switch light the blue one that that you know has been announced That's, is that is that is it out now I think it's already out right the blue switch light or it's at I, least it's pre it yeah I think it's the end of this month it launches um and then you got Mario Golf in June and Skyward Sword in July I mean I think Metopia really could be that that game you know it could be this year's Animal Crossing as far as the amount of people that actually buy this game and play it because yeah, it, it definitely has the potential to really boost sales.
0: Yeah. I think that it has that casual appeal where I can see a few million people who maybe they were playing animal crossing and they like the, you know, the creation tool of it. And they're going to say, Hey, I can do that with this game too. And to go even further with that creative idea, Nintendo also has game builder garage, which I think is going to have a slightly more limited appeal just due to the nature of it, which is game creation. Mm -hmm. But it has that potential that titles like Minecraft and Roblox have that with a strong marketing campaign. And if you do have Twitch streamers really embrace that title and maybe demonstrate some of the tools to build the games might find that casual audience who picks up the game and that has potential to also be a sleeper hit but i think the markets or the audience for these for like metopia and game builder garage are definitely different yep but these are two games i would definitely have an eye on from a business standpoint as far as sales potential go these could surprise people in a you know in a very positive way
1: yeah i i, I do agree with you game builder garage um yes i think it's all about the marketing on this one you know the the concept is is very clever and it's really all about how they market it and you're right if if there's a lot of twitch streamers big name twitch streamers that are you know making games and, and showing people how to make games with this thing it really could take off i do hope that nintendo does promote game builder garage and they do it well I, I don't want it to be um, you know, a situation where they just they release it and they talk about it for a day and we never really hear much about it. I, I definitely want them to support it, and I think they will. I mean, I, I think they will. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting game, and it's really exciting to see what kind of creations we'll see come out of this as well. But look... It's it it all this all goes back to Furukawa's comments where he said we don't necessarily want to go back to the old staples. We wanna we wanna make new IP, we wanna do new things. And I mean look, Miitopia is, isn't, I guess, technically a, a new idea from them, but Game Builder Garage certainly is, and I know it's 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 kind of riding on the coattails of the Labo stuff, but this is a bit of a risk for them as well, you know, th- th- these two things. Um They could have very easily just gone back to some of the staples uh and, and released some stuff, you know, over the summer. But I'm, I'm looking forward to both of these. And look, look, right now, Nintendo can't miss. You know, everything that they do seems to be um, a, a surefire hit. And I, I do expect... Mietopia, especially to really sell a lot. Game Builder Garage, it's definitely, you're right, it, Nate, it's definitely more of a niche audience. Um, will it appeal to, you know, younger people that like Roblox? I think it's definitely got potential for that. Um, so it'll be, again, it's very interesting to see how Nintendo markets that product because I personally am excited about it and I want to check it out. And I want to try and make some games with this thing. Uh, so I wonder, you know, what demographic is really going to get behind the game builder stuff?
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good question. And it's really going to come down to that marketing and how Nintendo is able to present the game to the, you know, the mass audience. And one thing I did find curious when I was looking at the game builder garage, especially the logo, is that the G resembles the Game Boy. It does, in yes. In a lot of ways. and you have said it several times before, but and you've even encouraged people, if you want to learn how to make games, learn how to code, learn mm. tools,
1: get a Game Boy. Start with the basics. That's what I tell everyone. Because, I mean, it's very easy to, to download Unity or Unreal Engine. And look, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't do that. There's definitely some really good reasons why you'd want to do that. But I think, you know, game design, game building, building games, you have to really start from the basics, and that is... You know, backgrounds, sprites, animations, um, you know, movement, collisions, um, you know, keeping score—just, just the real simple stuff. And the best way to learn is, you know, to use a, a a piece of hardware that has so much limitation around it, where the only thing you can do is focus on those areas. You don't get distracted by. I'm going to add this really cool particle um, system, or I'm going to add this really cool physics system in there. And then you realize you don't have anything. You're just kind of messing around with tech, but you don't necessarily have your eye on the prize. And that is, you know, making games. And I think game builder garage, at least from what I've seen uh, based on the trailer and the information that we've read does focus on just the game engine side. And of course you can add the, the really cool, particles and bells and whistles, but, um, it really does promote, you know, making games and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, I think, I do think it might be a sleeper hit this year. So I, I will be watching that game quite vigilantly from a curious consumer end to see what people are making, but also from like the business perspective of just see how the audience reacts and see how well it does sell. But I'm definitely going to be looking at the community to see what type of games they create, because I'm sure you'll be attempting to create something very unique. And I know a lot of Nintendo fans, their first reaction is going to be, I'm going to remake Mother 3 because <laughs> Nintendo <laughs> won't give it to us. So I'll make it instead.
1: <laughs> I was joking the other day that I'm going to make a Metroid game and see Ooh. if Nintendo actually tries to take it, take it down. Yeah. <laughs> That would, if that happened, <laughs> that, we
0: will cover that story. If Nintendo starts to take down creations of their own games in the game.
1: <laughs> I do wonder how they will handle that stuff because, I mean, there are going to be people that are going to want to make a Mario, a 2D Mario style game and maybe yes. using assets from previous Mario games. So I wonder how they will. I don't know, it's kind of outside the scope of this particular discussion, but I do wonder <laughs> how Nintendo will react to live streamers making or playing, uh, you know, game builder garage, Mario games, uh, for example, that will be interesting to see how that is, how that yes. all works. That would be, that's going to be an interesting legal <laughs> display. And I'm sure that happens. And come I'm on. sure their lawyers have already gone through this and they know exactly how to handle this, <laughs> but you know, the community always comes up with something different. That may mm-hmm. may throw Nintendo uh, off a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Very, very true. And
0: so for the fiscal year of 21, so the year that just ended, Nintendo sold 28.83 million units of hardware, and they sold 230.88 million units of software. All in all, a fantastic year. Definitely exceeded my expectations when yep. it came to hardware sales. And Nintendo gave out their guidance for fiscal year 22. So the fiscal year that will end at the end of March of 2022. And Nintendo is forecasting right now 25.5 million units versus software of 190 million units. Now, both of these are down compared to the prior fiscal year, which just ended. But... The hardware figure stands out to me. This is a very aggressive number from Nintendo. This is a company that strictly likes to give guidance with a conservative figure when it comes to hardware, and then they like to revise that number up
2: yeah. based on
0: the sales that
1: they're seeing. So I, I would think, and and I remember we talked about this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking maybe about point5 million they would come in yes. at. This is a lot higher than than I would have expected to see.
2: We'll be back
0: after
1: a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the gaming blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be housed flipper and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes oh dear yes and sometimes it doesn't quite work and you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now
0: yeah it it's Stands out to me because I think if I were Nintendo, I would have came in at twenty. And once I see how sales are going for this year, I get to see the trajectory and the demand. When it comes to, you know, my next fiscal report, even after like Q2. So halfway through the year, I could say, All right, we're seeing a lot of strong demand. The chip shortage isn't hindering us as much as, you know, maybe previously thought. We can now revise this up. Now let's go to that 25 million figure. Our investors are going to feel confidence from us. And, you know, we're going to be portraying a lot of that confidence and consumer, everything Mm -hmm. is going to rise to come out right away with this type of figure is it's risky. It's actually a gamble because now if there is any global chip shortage impact this figure will have to come down and it would at least be justified. It's not due to lack of demand. It's just due to lack of supply. So your investors may be a little shaken by it, but you can look at the global economy with the chip shortage and say, this isn't a problem with our product or the company. It's simply, you know, it's the reality of the marketplace and supply chain. But, I'm still looking at this figure saying, okay, we had the report come out, I believe it was last week, that Nintendo was looking to produce 30 million pieces of hardware for the coming fiscal year. This 25 million figure supports that claim because 30 million in production typically means 25 to 28 would be shipped mm-hmm. in that fiscal year. So this number corresponds to that number almost exactly so that can confirm that aspect of that report nintendo is looking to produce 30 million switches this year one aspect of the report also noted the switch pro
1: yes that nintendo yes.
0: has interest in having it out this fiscal year when i look at this 25 million figure i'm not i can't say with 100 confidence that the Switch Pro is factored into this figure. I think this is just the current Switch line. So I'm talking Switch hybrid and Switch Lite. Mm. I don't think Switch Pro is a factor in this 25 million figure right now.
1: I I think it is. I think it huh. is um, in a part of that 25.5. And I say that because the software side is a little down as well, right? so maybe they are planning on um you know the inclusion of of that in that number where they they know that there's going to be a a burst of of hardware sales for the next switch revision so i, I do think that that it is does include the switch pro in in that um in that number but again all speculation I've, I mean, we don't mm-hmm. really know um, what Nintendo is is thinking. I mean, the other thing I want to say about the twenty five point five is you mentioned the chip shortages. Yes. I mean, that that's a really good point, but it's also something that Nintendo probably would have been cognizant of mm-hmm. when they came up with that number in the first place. So they seem very confident that they can get, they can hit this target, which is which is great for them. But I also think that if they are, if it is down, let's say it, you know, it hits 23 million and they're down a few million, right? That is also, I mean, yes, it's easy to tell investors, look, you know, we had chip shortages. There were some things beyond our control that, you know, we didn't factor into it. If I was an investor, I'd say, well, we knew about the chip shortages last year. So, you know, why would you come out with a 25.5 million number now and that would be a difficult conversation to have i think um with nintendo and investors but and it tells me yeah. that maybe the switch pro is a part of that of that number and that's why it's the 25.5 that that we're looking at right now
0: so would you say then in your opinion with the potential of some sort of impact with the chip shortage that 25.5 is maybe nintendo's best case scenario that they put forth?
1: Well, that would be also very risky, right? If it was, because the only way they can go is down and Mm -hmm. Nintendo doesn't like to lose. They definitely don't want to, you know, come to the next meeting with an adjustment that's lower than what they initially had. So unless again, there's a really good reason for it. Um, I mean, if they say, look, we misjudged the market or something like that. That's not going to make the the shareholders very happy, the investors. So I don't think this is their best case scenario. Um, I think this is somewhere in the middle leaning towards their best case, but it's definitely not. I think there's definitely more wiggle room to go a little higher than this.
0: Yeah, that's where if I look at this number as them being conservative, where they are confident with everything factored in, the chip shortage and such that they can hit 25.5 million sales or shipments in this fiscal year. Then that means they could potentially be looking at this saying, We might actually increase those production numbers instead of having 30 million. Maybe we try to go higher. Maybe we go to 33, mm-hmm. 35 million. And we hit that goal of selling 30 million switches in this fiscal year, especially if you do have the introduction of the Switch Pro which depending on launch timing, like I've said several times, I am a believer it will launch in Q4 of the current fiscal year or January to March of 2022. You're realistically looking at maybe a shipment of, I mean, it really depends on the chip shortage, if it has any impacts and depending on launch timing itself, but this could be a product launch of just for the, just for ease mm-hmm. let's say it is one-to-one to the original switch so we'll say three million it launches in march yep. okay if we use this 25 million figure exactly we'd almost have a one-to-one to last fiscal year of a 28.8 million seller which is a strong year there is the possibility nintendo does eclipse 30 million and it really is going to come down to the timing of the switch pro launch and introduction. And if Nintendo has indeed pivoted, as some reports suggest, with Foxcom and other manufacturers in the Asian region to almost bypass the chip shortage and have a reliable supply of components to continue strong switch production. If Nintendo can pass this figure, and I'm talking like in a meaningful way, as in they overship $25 million by a percentage of 20%. Mm-hmm. So we're talking worth of $30 million now. That is going to be an incredible year for the Switch. And it would actually bring the peak of the Switch into conversation. Right now, the 28.83 figure is higher than any fiscal year for the Nintendo Wii. The Wii highest year, was 25.95 million so just shy of 26 million however the switch still pales in comparison to the nintendo ds which its best year was 31.18 million mm-hmm. and that is an incredible fiscal year but right. nintendo ds eclipsed 30 million
1: yeah two years in a row right yeah i mean its trajectory is is close but it's still not quite there yet is it though but i mean you're right this this year could really tell us a lot more about you know if they're going to um get there or not but man it's it's very hard to to think about you know beating the ds at this point i mean that thing just sold like absolute hotcakes everywhere everyone had a ds you know and Um, I don't know that that one definitely seems like it may be outside their reach, but Hey, you know, if anything has, has been proven with the switch, anything is possible.
0: Anything is possible with the switch. And I know a lot of it is going to rely on the introduction of the switch pro and how Nintendo market it, how it is presented and even priced. Yeah. One thing that we typically see from revisions, and this is, You can assign this to really any console manufacturer, be it Sony and Microsoft with the PlayStation 4 Pro or the Xbox One X, or even Nintendo itself with the countless Nintendo DS revisions Mm -hmm. and 3DS revisions. And even, I don't know if we want to include the Game Boy Color in this. Because that's one of those gray areas. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I would. All right, we'll keep the Game Boy Color out of this. But what we really see with a lot of these revisions is they're never the primary seller. Right, They never eclipse what the original model does in terms of performance. Now, I guess the exception to this rule, I would say, is probably the Game Boy Advance. I'd I'd have to check the sales data, but I believe the Game Boy Advance SP mm-hmm. did eclipse the performance of the standard Game Boy.
1: Well, the DS, the DS Lite... Eclipse yes. the original DS, but the DSI <laughs> did not. Right. Yeah, the DSI was was kind of the more powerful DS system. I guess you could parallel, you know, there are parallels with the next switch revision with the DSI. Yes. But yeah, the, the DS Lite was the system that just absolutely killed it everywhere. Yeah, when the DS Lite really came to market that's when the system
0: just took off because it was a more compact it had a better screen it was just it was a more attractive looking system than the big bulky Mm -hmm. original ds so like with the pro like right now the nintendo switch sits just shy of 85 million unit you know 85 million units sold realistically what type of percentage? I mean, this is very early forecasting. What type of forecast could we see for the duration of a Switch Pro really have to the Switch line? I mean, I don't see the Switch Pro selling 80 million units.
1: No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I, I think it's more the Switch Lite type numbers, right? I mean, and maybe even less than that because the Switch Lite obviously is a mm-hmm. 199 system. Mm-hmm so it could actually be less and less than than the switch light I, it's definitely not going to get anywhere close to that 85 million number but look i i think it's fair to say that you know if it does release this fiscal then we, you could probably see 5 million uh you know switch revisions get sold f- pretty quickly but after that, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be more of a marathon really to to get those numbers up. Yeah, it's like the pro is definitely going to give it a boost. Yep. And that's the purpose of a
0: revision. It's usually to increase profit margin and to gain a little more excitement to your brand and, you know, boost overall hardware sales. It's going to be curious how Nintendo actually positions it. If they do bring it to market, let's say, just as a base price, $299, and it is used as a full-on replacement to the Switch OG, sales will then, by default, be higher because it's either the Lite or the Switch Pro are your choices. Now, if they come at a more premium price, let's say they decide to come in at... Know three fifty, mm-hmm. even four hundred dollars, and it's viewed as that premium model, and it's just complementary to the other two models. Well, that's where this potential sales could be limited in some capacity, right? And you know, it's too early to say right now, but I've seen the discussion really. I've seen it brought up several times. Of could the switch catch the DS or even? The PlayStation 2. Now, these were juggernauts. These were absolute juggernauts in every sense of the word. These were platforms that had eclipsed 150 million sales, respectively. Mm -hmm. The PlayStation 2 was over 158 million before... I believe they just stopped tracking it. And I mean, one thing that people don't remember with the PlayStation 2 is that it sold 50 million units after the introduction of the PlayStation 3. Right. Yeah. It was a beast. And a lot of that was because of price drops. It was, you know, $129 or $99. The emergence in other market areas like South America, the Middle East. Yep. These markets started to embrace the PlayStation 2 while other, you know, Western markets in Japan were buying the $600 PlayStation 3. So that gave the PlayStation 2 a very long lifespan, far longer than we see any modern hardware typically get. Maybe the Switch goes a similar trajectory for a lifespan because we know Nintendo is kind of approaching the Switch, I don't want to say directly to a mobile platform, but they did say in their recent investors report the switch is only halfway through its life so if you do bring out the switch pro we're saying the potential that the switch generation is for four more years we'll say eight years total until we see what we will label as a true successor now nintendo does not have to do that they could go the mobile route of it's just the name of our brand is switch
2: Mm
0: -hmm. we're going to continue to release iteration after iteration And as long as we as the company combine overall sales, like Nintendo did with the Game Boy line, the Game Boy Color is counted along with the original Game Boy. Now, that was, I believe, in the area of, what, like 13 years the Game Boy existed. Yeah, a long, long time. And if Nintendo does something similar to the Switch, I think we really do have to have that discussion of... Will the Nintendo Switch outsell the DS? And this is a question I did pose to the Nate the Hate community. And 66% of people said, yes, the Switch will outsell the Nintendo DS. 9% said no. 23% said it would finish close, but it would just fall short. And 2% of users said the Switch will sell upwards of 200 million units.
1: Whoa. (laughs) <laughs> That's crazy to think about. I'm curious, Nate, what where do you fit into that? Do you think it's going to beat it? Um, I think it's going to come close. I don't know if it's going to beat it though.
0: Right now, we are just above about we're like 60% of the way there. Yeah. Just as a rough number. So for Nintendo to achieve this goal, and let's say they do they hit 25 million on the dot.
1: No more, no less for
0: the upcoming fiscal year.
1: Well they'll take it past them, the we, the right? If they if they hit yes. 25. Yeah, they will pass the we before this fiscal year concludes. Mm-hmm. So they'll be at like a hundred, just over hundred mil.
0: They if they hit this number exactly, they will be at 110 million units. Mm-hmm. So Amazing, that's 9 million units higher than the Wii. But you're 44 million units shy of the DS. So that would mean that fiscal year for 2023, Nintendo would once again have to forecast upwards of 20 million sales, and then in the following fiscal year, upwards of 20 million sales again. I don't know... If Nintendo can forecast a platform like the Switch having four consecutive years <laughs> they, they over need another, 20 million.
1: They need another pandemic,
0: <laughs> as much as I hate to say it. Like, I look at the DS. Now the DS did did exactly that. They had four fiscal years where they had sales over 20 million. In yep. fiscal year 07, they had 23 and a half million. Fiscal year 08, over 30 million. Fiscal year 09, over 31 million. And then fiscal year 2010, 27 million. And then fiscal year 11, they dropped to 17. Right now with a Nintendo Switch, they did 21 million in fiscal year 20. We know in fiscal year 21, they did 28 million. And Nintendo was forecasting 25 million for fiscal year 2022. So if Nintendo has two more fiscal years after 2022 above the 20 million range, that is something no platform in Nintendo history has ever achieved. Five
1: consecutive fiscal years over 20 million sales. Yeah. It's, it seems, it seems like a uphill battle for them, but we should not discount them because I mean, look, we, we, we don't think there's going to be another Animal Crossing game. We don't think there's going to be another Mario Kart game. Um, but what if mm-hmm. what if they do announce that? You know, what if what if Metopia does sell a lot of units this year, which it could very well, very easily sell mm-hmm. a lot of units in, and then in turn sell a lot lot more hardware. I mean, I think they have enough up their sleeve where they could potentially push for that and and get either get really close or even even surpass it if you ask me i don't think they're going to get get to ds they're going to be right next, right there with it though and as far as the playstation 2 conversation i don't think anything is going to touch the the ps2 uh as as much as you know some people think the switch may get there the playstation 2 you're absolutely right with what you said not only was did it have the longest tail of any game console in video game history where you're right. I mean, companies like EA and uh, Activision were making Guitar Hero games, the FIFA games, the Madden (laughs) games, like way beyond the time that the PlayStation 2 was really even meant to be still around. And, you know, it was so cheap to buy. And you're right, in, in different countries like South America, many people were using the PlayStation 2. And it's not only just the tail end of that hardware I think it was also introduced at a very interesting time in video games because it was, you know, in the early 2000s when we had, you know, you were coming off the PlayStation 1, you were coming off uh, the Nintendo 64, and all of a sudden this system comes along that has a built-in DVD player. And a lot of people bought a PS2, not only for games, but they bought it because they wanted to put it into their entertainment center, play games and watch DVD movies as well. And I think that was a very, very clever move by Sony at the time to market this product as you know a game system first and foremost. No question that will also play PS One games, so the, the, you know your entire library will carry over. But hey, you can also go to Blockbuster and rent, you know, the the movie of the week and and watch it on your PS2. And everyone <laughs> wanted a PlayStation and that's I think that was one of the real big reasons why it did so well. And of of course there were some fantastic games that really boosted, you know, the hardware side as well, but for me I I don't know if if the, the PS2 is ever going to um, you know, get get defeated. Um it it's just one of those things where it was, it just came at the right time in, in, in history. And it's very hard to imagine any system surpassing it in sales. But with that said, if there's one that may make a run for it, the switch could well be, I mean, I think the next few years will will really tell us, you know, where we are as far as, you know, uh, the rankings of, of the, of the, the hardware sales.
0: Yeah. I was just looking at some of the PlayStation two hardware figures and it was tracked until January of 2013. Now, yep. Yeah, I mean, it was eight years ago. And that was the same year the PlayStation 4 was introduced. <laughs> Isn't that so, amazing? Yeah. The PlayStation just... <laughs> 2 sold for the duration of the PlayStation 3 generation. That's amazing to think about. It is amazing to think about that this was a platform that spanned 13 years. That's amazing. And it's not something we've seen since then.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you really think about that, it's, it really speaks to the legacy of what that platform was, as you were touching on. And when I look at the Switch, it, it reminds me of the PlayStation 2 in some ways in the revolutionary aspect of it. Like, as you were mentioning with the PlayStation 2, it came in that time of history where, you know, it was a DVD player for so many people because it was an affordable DVD player. And it was that multimedia device. And though the Switch is far from a multimedia device because it doesn't have Netflix, it really doesn't have a lot of those type of apps. What it is, though, is with that hybrid design, I think it comes close to delivering a more meaningful gaming revolution in that sense because now it's it freed you from the gaming confines of home where now you can experience those console games like a skyrim on the go Mm -hmm. and that was a revolutionary concept and that is why i think it will come incredibly close to both of these respective platforms the only way i see it passing the playstation 2 is if nintendo decides to count all future iterations even including what could potentially be viewed as a successor in the figure
1: yeah and yeah you're that's right.
0: the only way i can see that happening and that's why when i see like the two percent of people say it, it'll hit 200 million if nintendo brings out like a game boy color type switch iteration right. which could very easily be viewed as a successor then I see that two hundred million figure and say this is very this is realistic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if that does happen, you're obviously going to have armchair analysts say that's a successor. We're not counting it as that single skew. We're separating them, but at the end of the day, it's Nintendo's figures that matter. Exactly. It's however, they
1: and not to you know not to nitpick, but I mean, if you can take take the cartridge and put it into that system and it plays it, then you know, and and it's running native, not via some kind of backward compatibility type mode. Then, you know, it, it all falls in the same in the same ecosystem, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I a lot of people don't think that the, the the Game Boy Color is is a revision; they think it's a new gen. I don't agree with that, and I think this is the same thing for me in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what type of longevity the switch
0: has because you can definitely look to the prior fiscal year and say COVID did accelerate sales. People are in quarantine. They need something to do. Animal Crossing came out. They picked up a switch right now, based on the first few months of 2021, the switch is still selling incredibly strong and it's not due to COVID anymore. It's just the appeal of the platform and that library. And that's the reason Nintendo sold yeah. you know, 230 million pieces of software. And though they are coming in at that forecast of 190 million units, which is down 17% in comparison, it's still a lot of software. And when I look at it, as we mentioned earlier, you know, Metopia and stuff like that, it means Nintendo still has a strong lineup coming out they simply don't have that animal crossing tier release and i know people will look at it and say well what about breath of the wild
1: 2 it's not animal crossing
0: the... exactly yeah. it's not an animal crossing tier release it's not a 30 million unit seller it uh, is a solid 18 to 20 million right. seller, I mean,
1: but I th- not <laughs> i think what they're gonna do here nate is give us um some really good quality games and try to you know make up those numbers by you know some really good Nintendo releases that over time will will get the numbers but it's not going to have the same impact as as Animal Crossing. I mean this year they've already said, you know 190 million units which is down from from last year, but I do think, you know Metopia Mi- game game Garage, Skyward Sword, Mario Golf plus it, all the unannounced stuff that we may get to hear about at E3, you know, will get them pretty close to to Animal Crossing trajectory, but it will certainly not get them, you know, beyond that.
0: Yes, I would agree with the prospect. I think we're going to see a lot of quality releases from Nintendo. We're just not going to see that heavy hitter of a 30 million unit seller. We're going to have a lot of those 2 to 5 million range with the occasional 10 to 15 million. And that's how you're going to round out that 190 million figure. And that number can go up if Nintendo sees something exceed expectation. So, you know, that could easily eclipse 200 million potentially. Yes. And we do have a lot of third-party games as well still to be announced, as you mentioned. You know, E3 will give us a better idea of Nintendo's overall software guidance for the coming fiscal year. And even if you do include a title like arceus or breath of the wild 2 we have a general idea of how these franchises perform breath of the wild is the best selling zelda title of all time and you know breath of the wild 2 should perform in line with breath of the wild 1 it probably won't surpass it by any you know huge magnitude maybe a 10% increase maybe 20% increase but it's not going to be a gap of you know 20 million versus like a 40 million unit seller breath of the wild is still gonna or breath of the wild 2 will still sell comparable to its predecessor yep. and even pokemon arceus it's a new way to experience pokemon we have a lot more to see on that project but there's definitely hype about this open world pokemon adventure now we know how Pokemon mainline games typically perform on their platform. We can look to Pokemon Sword and Shield and it sold incredibly well on the Switch despite countless boycotts that (laughs) apparently led to stronger sales. But like it sold 21 million copies. Definitely no complaints there if you're a Nintendo or the Pokemon company. Arceus, it's really going to depend on what they're going to deliver with the game. I could see it do... I could see it do 20 million sales. Yeah. I don't think it's going to break the 30 million figure.
1: I think it'll do 20 million. I think it'll do really well for them. But one thing I will say is we're not going to see both Breath of the Wild 2 and the Arceus game, both open world games, Ooh. this fiscal. One One of them is going to get bumped. Don't know which one will, though. Of the two, like at this point of recording... Of the
0: two, the only one that actually has a date attached is Arceus. That's correct. And that's spring of 2022. So that's... Yeah. So of the two, based just on that bit of information, we have the sequel to Breath of the Wild, and on Nintendo's official schedule, it is listed as TBD.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then we have Arceus spring. 2022. Which of the two do you think is more most likely to be delayed?
1: Oh, I mean that's that's such a loaded question because we don't know anything about Breath of the Wild 2 other than Anuma Sun's going to give us an update like at some point this year. Um, hopefully with a date attached to that. I mean, right now, Nate, you have to go with Arceus as the one that's going to come out because we know more about it. At least what we think we know. Well, that's not to say that Breath of the Wild 2, they, you know, they may show us something at E3 and then announce the date for it um, for next year. I, I, I'm going to say Arceus, only because we know more about it at this point in time. Okay. I
0: mean, we, all right. I, I think I agree with that. I mean, we do need a significant update on Breath yep. of the Wild 2. The Pokemon games
1: they kind of release on schedule. They do, don't they? And I, I don't see any yep. reason why this one wouldn't. Yeah, you know, they very
0: rarely see a meaningful delay. It has happened once in the past. But typically the Pokemon games release like clockwork. Um, and Breath of the Wild too. We just we really don't know much about it. As you mentioned, they did come out and say, we're going to talk about the game a little more later this year. We assume later this year means E3. And I'm sure every fan is saying it better be at E3. If it's not at E3, I think it's gonna anger a lot of people.
1: I mean there's a good there's a there's a chance it may not be at E3. I mean, later this year could mean Tokyo Game Show for all we know. It could be anything, you know. Could be a direct in September. (laughs) (laughs) E3
0: seems like the safe spot to expect some sort of update. Right, right. (laughs) but yeah, you know, you're right. It it doesn't necessarily have to be there. It just feels like you debuted it at E3 two years ago. It's Zelda's anniversary year. Yeah. If you're going to talk about Zelda yeah. at E3, you have to give us something with Breath of the Wild too. And, you know, I think we get both of those games in the fiscal year.
1: Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. I, and, and, you know, that would be a pretty good one, two punch for Nintendo. I think
0: it's possible we get them in the fiscal year. If one is delayed, I think we're just looking at a situation of ones in March and the other ones in May. You, so they do, are. It's technically two different fiscal years,
1: but within a right. three-month window. Do you think? Do you think that um, if there's two open-world games, that there may be that open-world fatigue, or do you think that the people that play the Pokemon game? may not be the the overlap between you know people playing both games won't be as significant as what we think
0: i think the overlap won't be as significant as some people are anticipating i think the games their core audience is different enough that yep. there won't be too much overlap and i think the overall you know just the player base who wants to play zelda May not be as interested in a Pokemon game. And those who are interested in Pokemon probably aren't looking to Zelda. There will be some overlap of probably, you know, a few million people. Mm-hmm. And I think that audience would just pick up both games. Yeah. As far as fatigue, I think they're going to differ enough that you're not going to feel fatigue in the sense of like if you play an Assassin's Creed game. Right. And then you go to play another Assassin's Creed game, it's this it all feels alike. And Like I felt open world fatigue playing like an Assassin's Creed game and then playing Insomniac Mm Spider-Man, even though they are two radically different games, it was still just that fetch quest type of atmosphere of do this research and development station, collect these pigeons. And then, and you have Assassin's Creed of, you know, go here to collect this letter. And it's like, yeah, you're a different game, but it's still the same general stuff with Breath of the Wild. You really didn't have that type of fetch quest. Right. It was right. here's the world, do your thing. Yep. Pokemon might have fetch quest. We really, we, you know, we don't know. But I think Breath of the Wild is still going to have that air of freshness to it that really separates itself from the other open world games and it's allowed to stand on its own without feeling too yeah. derivative of the standard open world formula.
1: Right, and I think, you know, the thing that it it did really well the first time around was, it. I mean, we know it's an open-world game, but um, if you're just playing the game, you don't necessarily think about it being an open-world game. It puts you into this world where you can do whatever you want, but it's not like um, a mini-map with all these, you know, um, dots all over it where you have to run to, right? It's pretty much just, you know, um, up to you to do whatever you want. So I think they really didn't advertise the open world aspect of the game um, although it was so and I think that's obviously you know what what they're going to do with um, Breath of the Wild 2 yeah right right now based on the very limited information that we have on Breath of the Wild
0: 2 my only concern with it would be you can't have it feel too similar to the first game yeah because the first game was exciting because all this was fresh and new and if you gave us the exact same overworld with the exact same verticality and just openness, it's going to feel kind of like yeah. Ben here done that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think so they th- have to, they have to bring, bring in some new mechanics mm-hmm. into the, into the mix, you know, yes. To make it fresh. It up. And you're right, Nate, I don't think it's going to sell as well as the first game. Um I mean, like the PlayStation two breath of the wild was introduced at a time where, you know, it was just almost revolutionary when that game came out. Uh it was, mm-hmm it was just something that no one really had expected. And when it came, it was just amazing to think about. Um, I think where a lot of us are expecting part two to be kind of more of the same, which is, which is fantastic, but you know, it may not necessarily be the hit, hit the heights of the first game as far as the sales it, I mean, the game itself may actually surpass the first game as far as the story and, and, and everything, but don't know if it's going to outsell the first game
0: i mean the first breath of the wild has sold over 22 million copies and like to your point there are there's a vocal audience of zelda fans who purchased breath of the wild and hated it they did not like the mechanics the open world setting the lack of dungeons the and if nintendo weapons. goes yeah breakable weapons various elements of the game they just didn't like so, if the game does follow that formula, you know, not exactly one to one, but close enough, the odds are that a l- lot of those people aren't going to be investing in the sequel. But if they do address those problems and they bring back dungeons and stuff like that, you may have that surge of reinterest. So, it's really on Nintendo now to say, who are we trying to cater to with this game? Mm-hmm. Because, in some ways, you can't go back to the old formula of 3d zeldas like we have skyward sword coming out this summer right it's a very linear game in many ways or even you know twilight princess and wind waker going back to that style zelda after playing breath of the wild it will feel restrictive in many areas yeah and now if you're nintendo you've introduced this wide open zelda game to go back to that formula especially as like you know a breath of the wild sequel you could potentially turn off the new fans you gained by doing this direction. So they have to find that really careful balance. And as you bring up with some sequels, sometimes a sequel does surpass the original game and others times it falls short. And we can look to the N64. I do not believe Majora's Mask outperformed Ocarina of Time.
1: Certainly not. Um, and when they remade it um, for the DS... Uh, the same mm-hmm. thing again as well. I think Ocarina of Time was um, the better seller of those two games. Like, it's you
0: really you never know what you're going to get when you bring out a sequel because you have a lot of expectation based on the predecessor. And, you know, that's where I don't view Breath of the Wild 2 or Arceus as like the Animal Crossing replacement for the year. But I do think Nintendo is going to come out with a wide array of quality software that sells just what it has to kind of like a Kirby game. Yeah. Kirby is a reliable 2 million, two to 5 million unit seller. And it does exactly what Nintendo needs it to do. We have like the Famicom detective games that are coming out in just a couple of weeks. And you know, they're not going to be huge million sellers, but they're a quality release. If 2d Metroid comes out this fiscal year, another quality release, not a huge software seller. But it will sell what it has to, and you you're going to have those heavy hitters with Breath of the Wild Two, Arceus. Mario Kart will continue to sell well. Smash Brothers will continue to sell. The Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes are going to sell. You know, upwards of probably in the range of twelve to fifteen million. Yep. So that like, that's how i'm seeing the fiscal year play out right now a lot of quality yeah i agree as a nintendo fan it's something to be excited about you're going to have a lot of games that are going to be good they don't have to be 30 million unit sellers and to us as the consumers it doesn't matter if a game sells a million copies or 10 million copies we just want quality we want consistency and starting this month the month of may nintendo has a steady flow of software dated through july we have you know as we mentioned Metopia, garage the famicom detective games legend of zelda skyward sword mario golf yep there's something with appeal to a broad audience for the next several months yeah and, and then Company three nintendo will begin to date out the yeah. second half of the year even further
1: that's definitely one area where you know they've always been really good at but i think this this go around is actually even better, and that is you're right. There's something there for everyone. You know, it's not not everything is going to appeal to everyone, but I think if you took that list that you just mentioned, I mean, I'm thinking about Game Build Garage. I've already pre ordered it. Mario Golf. I'm definitely going to check out. I may pass on Skyward Sword, and I may pass on Metopia. I'm definitely going to play Famicom Detective um, Center, but I think that's, that's the point, right? Um, if you take those titles plus whatever we get at E3, there's something there for everyone. There's at least one game there for someone. Um, most people are going to jump on a couple of them. So I think, you know, if they just hit us with these good quality games uh, and constantly just kind of, you know, re- release them over the, the course of, of the remainder of this year. Then I think they'll come close to that that um you know that number and and I think that one hundred and ninety million is is probably a really good good estimation. Probably a little lower. It may actually do a little more than that, but um I think it's definitely a number that they can easily reach. Yeah, I think they'll end up passing
0: it in the end. But you know, I think it is going to be achieved with just a lot of quality software. And when we look at like last fiscal year, after Animal Crossing, Nintendo had fairly i'll call it a lengthy gap between like animal crossing to clubhouse games and then the next release was paper mario but i'll say those three games had kind of a limited appeal in their own way if you don't care about animal crossing yeah or you didn't care about clubhouse games and you don't want to play an rpg like paper mario Nintendo really didn't have anything for you and then like in september we get 3d all-stars then we got hyrule warriors age of calamity and then even into the early part of this year to close out the fiscal year you had super mario 3d world and bowser's fury and bravely default 2. nintendo closed out last fiscal year i would say fairly strong with a lot more software diversity for this current fiscal year they've already started strong Mm -hmm. and it looks as though they're going to have a very consistent release schedule whereas last year due to covid They had delays. They were impacted in numerous ways where you saw that release schedule become more fragmented. This time around, it looks like it's a lot tighter. And I think we as the gamers are going to benefit from this in a significant way moving forward. And coming 3 in just just about four weeks, and Nintendo comes out and details that second half lineup in maybe early 2022, we're going to begin to see the fruits of that labor. And I think we have a lot to look forward to in those months to come. Absolutely. Now we can move into the Streamlab questions for the week because we have quite a few. And our first Stream Lab question comes from Go Bosox20, who donated $10 and writes, Just ordered my MVGT today. Hope I can rock a Nate the Hate beanie by next fall. You guys are always great. P.S. Yankees suck.
1: <laughs> LOL,
0: thanks, Nate.
1: <laughs> we'll definitely have to get onto the merch stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll table that and, and start thinking about some merch that we can make. The Yankees do not suck, but the Red Sox do.
0: <laughs> then had a $4.20 donation from Mr. Stud Muffin, who writes, Hey, Nate, loving the podcast as always. Random question but hope you and MVG have suggestions. What are some good monitors? Let's say for gaming aesthetic reasons, I suppose price isn't an issue, but I would like to have two or three for my setup. I I don't really deal much with monitors.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really have um, a good word on what the good monitor to go for is right now. Uh, I'm using an Acer Predator monitor from 2017, which is a 4K monitor, but it's only 60 hertz. So it doesn't do the high refresh rates and it doesn't do HDR. So um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I would, you know, as I wouldn't tell anyone, just do some research, um, check out, you know, places like Linus Tech Tips or maybe check out some YouTube uh, videos um, from your favorite tech, tech person i'm sure he can get a really good rundown on what the latest and greatest monitors are you can buy mm-hmm. then had a follow-up
0: four dollar and 20 cent donation from mr Studmuffin, muffin writing also happy belated birthday mvg well thank you congrats on Shante. i bought both the first and second games digitally sadly i didn't purchase them off limited run when i had the chance months ago Instead, paying much more for them now than I'd like to admit.
1: Oh, well. Ooh, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Uh, one thing I have heard is, and this is not confirmed yet, but there may be copies that show up at Best Buy.
2: Hmm. Got to
0: keep an eye out on Best Buy shelves. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, what happened to Babylon's fall? Stay tuned.
1: What happened, indeed? Stay tuned. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ben had a five-dollar donation from Book Nerd. He writes any thoughts on the Hugo Awards special video game category for this year? I was happy to see Blasball Ball get a nod alongside staples like Hades, The Last of Us Two, and Final Fantasy VII Remake.
1: I'm actually not familiar with the Hugo Awards. I am not familiar with that either. We'll have to do uh, some research and get back to you on that one. It is an annual literary award for best science fiction or
0: fantasy works. So that's, you know what? I did like the story of The Last of Us Part II. Me too. And Hades. So I think it's good that... Video game stories are getting attention from a literary award society because there are some great narratives constructed in video games. And, you know, they are real writers. And you can look at a game like Crisis 2. This is going back well over a decade ago. But Crisis 2 was written by the author who did Altered Carbon. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good that authors who do spend a lot of time on their craft and, you know, write video game narratives... Get recognition. So good for you, Hugo Awards. Then had a $10 donation from Mirage, who writes You're assigned a task. Choose a developer, all of whom are coincidentally available, <laughs> to make a new Star Fox game. A genre of your choice. Which studio do you choose? Monolith soft Platinum,
1: Ubisoft, Koei Tecmo q games or next level games i mean i need dylan cuthbert back right right he, he has to be a part of a new Star Fox game <laughs> so it's it's q games i'm guessing yeah i mean
0: of that list q games makes a sense for yep. exactly the reasons you said you want dylan cuthbert
1: involved Yep, Hmm. I'm going with Q Games. Dylan Cuthbert, it's not negotiable. Dylan Cuthbert has to be involved in the new Star Fox game for me. Yes. I mean, the last one he had direct involvement in was,
0: I believe he was involved with Star Fox 64 3D. Yep, he was. And I think he did Star Fox Command
1: on the DS. Uh, I think he did. I think you're right. Yes. So I'd like him to return to I'd
0: want him to return to the franchise he helped birth.
1: He did do Star Fox Command. You're absolutely right. He was the director of that game. Okay. Yeah, definitely I would choose Q
0: Games for Dylan Cuthbert. Then had a three dollar donation from Lala PPK, who writes, in a potential Microsoft Nintendo partnership. People mentioned Game Pass on the Switch, but could you also see a Nintendo first-party title like Breath of the Wild being playable on Xbox Game Pass for a limited time, perhaps in a lead-up to a Breath of the Wild 2 release? Love the show. No. Yeah, no. Microsoft. I'm sure Microsoft would love to have that type of title on their service, but Nintendo Nintendo will never put one of their first-party projects on competing hardware they would need a huge monetary gift to even consider it
1: even then it's hard for me to imagine nintendo games have to be running on nintendo hardware end of story yeah and we could even look to the um the epic lawsuit where Epic
0: games wanted to reach out to Nintendo to see if they would bring any of their games to the Epic game store. And they even wrote long shot, probably no chance. (laughs) Yes, they were right. (laughs) That's maybe one day if Nintendo is just the complete, complete failure in the marketplace and is desperate.
1: I mean, if they end up like Sega and just get out of the hardware game, sure. That's, that's a different, different thing altogether, but Mm -hmm. not, not for a long, long time. I can't see any of that happening.
2: Yeah,
0: then had a dollar donation from Zeebs14, right? Hey, Nate and MVG, you always say Sony is the market leader. If you compare them with Microsoft, it's true. But since 2018, Nintendo sold more consoles than Sony. The Switch will outsell the PlayStation 4. Nintendo has also the best selling franchises. Love the podcast. Yes, if we were to compare it to like 2018, Nintendo has been selling more hardware and in many ways more software. But overall right now, PlayStation 4 is the market leader if we want to say generation-wise. They have most hardware out there. They still they lead even in terms of third-party support and even third-party sales. So that's why we call the PlayStation 4 the market leader. They still control and dictate a lot of what is happening in the current console environment. (laughs) Then had a $4.20 donation from Mr. Studmuffin, who writes, Paper Mario fans stuck on the past RPG mechanics is the equivalent of Fast and Furious fans being still upset about the franchise isn't about street racing anymore, (laughs) both featuring more entries where the new style is present than what it used to be before. Isn't Fast and Furious in like space
1: now? Yeah. I mean, it's, he brings up a good point. It was about street (laughs) racing and now it's about these worldwide (laughs) heists and yeah, going into space and, and taking down these like really powerful adversaries and stuff. And it's more popular now than it ever was. Yep. It's
0: crazy. He then had a dollar donation from George McF. Right. writes, I think there were so many opportunities for the Wii U to be a success. Like if it had an actual Animal Crossing game or a spinoff of a big IP, what do you think Nintendo could have done differently to make the Wii U the success they wanted it to be? They would have actually had to show off the, Console at the E3 debut, they would have needed to market the gamepad in a meaningful way that actually showed gameplay changes and enhancements that you couldn't get anywhere else. Instead of just saying "look, there's a map on the screen," they would have needed a complete marketing overhaul where they weren't using dubstep yep. at launch to sell the platform. Um, they would have needed to change the branding to anything but Wii U. Yep. Um, They needed to make the receiver longer so you didn't have to just play the Switch or the Wii U in a single room. They needed to get that to like a multi-room span. Um, Software-wise, I'd say you probably should have gone with a different art style for New Super Mario Bros. U because it really just looked like the Wii game in HD and that wasn't enough to really make it a appealing launch game no matter what people want to think about the quality of the product itself it's a fantastic 2d mario game it just looks so samey that it didn't have a great appeal in terms of visual design so they basically would have had to go back to the drawing board and completely revise everything they did leading up to launch and the debut then had a dollar donation from George McFarlane, who writes, "With how much Microsoft is prioritizing releases on PC as much as releases on consoles, do you think there is a future where Microsoft steps out of the hardware business and moves to digital streaming games altogether?" Maybe. Maybe. But I still think they're going to want to have that hardware box just to house some of their software and services because people are more likely to use your service. If you have a product you can buy Yep. as opposed to like, Oh, you have your desktop. You can get game pass on it. That streams to it. Some people always want to have that an item they can buy where you have access to those games. So I think Microsoft will continue to release a box of some kind.
1: If that's true. And I don't want to talk about this too long, but, I do wonder if if Game Pass eventually becomes a household name, uh-huh. and they just start putting it into things like televisions. When you buy a, a Samsung or an LG TV, you get Game Pass on it as an app. That there there will be right. less reliance on hardware at that point, but you know we'll see uh-huh. we'll see what the future holds. Yeah, it's
0: definitely potential. I mean, we've seen how Netflix and stuff have taken off. So there's definitely an avenue for gaming to go that direction. I think it's just, it's premature to get there right now. We're probably another five, maybe 10 years off from that becoming a standard. But Microsoft is definitely going to be the front runner when that time comes. Then had a hundred dollar donation from Shamsa, the first of today's episode dedications made out to, no question. But thank you for your continued generosity, Shamsa. Then had a five dollar donation from Ronnie Thornley. Who writes? Congrats to MVG on your switch release. Your videos are legendary, man. Thank you. And Nate, congrats on your podcast work. You're great as well. Question: I want to get into hardware repair, consoles, and/or PC, and want to take in want to take in person classes. Any advice?
1: Thanks, boys. Oh um I think the best person to ask would be John Spawnwave. I mean he's done <laughs> hardware repairs. He did it for many years. Um I don't really know, you know, what to say to you as far as, you know, classes and stuff. I yeah. learned things just myself most of the time or just watched a tutorial or something on how to do things. <laughs>
0: yeah any like console repair i've done like i swapped out my screen on my wii u game was just find the step-by-step process make sure you have the right tools and you know a good clean static free environment and like mvg i just you know i'm a hands-on learner mm-hmm. classes wise i you'd have to investigate in your local area to see if there's like uh mechanical school or like a certificate program that might be offering a class of that subject matter that you could enroll in then had a dollar donation from Liam werner right why do people treat Star Fox like it's dead every home console since the super nes except the wii although gamecube had two had a new title the ds got one and the 3ds got a remake as well and starlink Got a whole expansion. It doesn't seem very dead to me.
1: Uh, it's not yeah, it's not dead. dead. <laughs> but it, it it's not alive as well, if that makes sense. It's kind of like that house plant
0: you look at. It's yeah. you water it and it comes to life sometimes, but then most of the year it's troopy. Um it's not that it's dead, it's just not at the caliber that a lot of Star Fox fans want it to be at. Star Fox could be such a it could be a, such a bigger franchise and people see the potential in Star Fox to be a bigger deal for Nintendo. And we just don't get that release that propels it to be that great IP for the company. And like I love Star Fox Zero on the Wii U. Um, and they just really need to come up with a new direction for the series overall. And they're just not sure what direction to take it because you can make another on-rail shooter like a Star Fox Zero or, you know, the older Star Fox games. And it's just a question of, is this appealing enough to charge $60 for what is essentially an arcade on-rail shooter that you can beat in four to five hours? And in many ways, you can get an indie game of similar, you know, quality and maybe even more content for a fraction of the price. So that's where Star Fox, it kind of needs to reinvent itself. I know some people do look at Starlink and say, this is a good direction for, you know, for the Star Fox franchise to go. I personally don't want to see Star Fox go in a Starlink direction. Yep. But Nintendo definitely has plans for Star Fox. It's just a question of when will we see the results of their experimentation and will the end product be something meaningful enough to make Star Fox the fantastic IP that we know it can be. Then had a $5 donation from the name's James. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but all the same, congrats to MVG on the excellent Shantae port. Thank you. If we were to get Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask eShop ports for the Switch, would you prefer N64 or 3DS ports? I've seen the
1: 3DS ports emulate at 4K, and they look great. I would take the N64 versions um, only because they're the originals, but honestly, uh, whatever, whatever Nintendo gave us, I'd be pretty happy with either way. But if I had to pick Nintendo 64 for me. Yeah,
0: I'd be happy with either one. I do like the changes they made to like Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. I like the updated character models and all that. Um, and they do emulate very nicely in 4k, uh, but it's pretty, I would just be happy to have Ocarina of Time on the Switch. Yep. I would take either one. Can't go wrong. Then had a $8.15 donation from Matanume, who writes, Sup, my dudes. A question for MVG regarding Turok 2's online multiplayer. How exactly did PlayFab's netcode change the game for online play? Is it possible to then later get crossplay among all systems?
1: Yes, yes, it is. Um, in fact, I may get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You heard it here first on Nate the Hate. There will be there will be updates to the game at some point that introduce um, Xbox and PC into the crossplay uh, mix as well. I just don't know when that's going to come, so don't expect it anytime soon. But it's definitely on the list of things that we're working on. There's your headline this week, website, (laughs) forum. There's your headline. I may get in trouble for saying that, but no worries. It's all good. (laughs) Then had a
0: $4.07 donation from Matanume, who writes The cerebral boar, a weapon truly from hell. I once had a pleasant dream recently that was ruined by the screaming sounds of the boar being shot off and getting hit by it. I wish you could shoot those boars down. Name of a death metal band as well.
1: That's true. <laughs> Was there a question there?
0: No, they just <laughs> wanted to express their displeasure of the cerebral boar weapon from Turok. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> then had a $10 donation from Loco Tony, who writes Do you think AAA games are becoming or will become unsustainable? Games are getting more expensive to produce and purchase. Games as a service games need constant maintenance. AAA games seem overscoped AF and devs pay the price with crunch and lost time.
1: I do think that AAA games will eventually become unsustainable. I don't know when that will be and I don't know what the fallout of that will be. If anything, um, you could argue that they already are unsustainable, especially Mm -hmm. considering the, um, I guess, the stories of crunch that we have heard, as well as the numerous delays of games. And sure, you can say COVID is a big factor in that, and it is, but it also underlies a bigger issue. And I think this topic is something that, we will probably talk about um, at some point uh, over over this year because I think there's going to be a lot more of this, you know, that as as time goes by. Yes.
0: <laughs> I then had a five dollar donation from Robin. Right? Have you guys been following this new resurgence of games being released physically on cartridge for the Sega Genesis? Demons of Astaborg is my most anticipated games of the year and it's for genesis
1: uh, i am familiar with uh limited run doing some genesis games from like um i think it was some of those toll plan shooters like flying shark and some others to be honest mm-hmm. i haven't really been following that stuff um i have most of the games I already wanted on Genesis physically anyway, and the rest I just use an EverDrive for. But it is really cool to see those old systems get physical releases. And I'm 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 very, very happy to see that.
0: Then had a one dollar donation from last in for lifetime who writes Crash Bandicoot 4 is coming to PC shortly. Yet Crash Team Racing Nitro fueled has been out on consoles for quite a while now and has still yet to see a PC release. Will I ever be able to play my favorite kart racer in 144 FPS? I would imagine if it has not been announced for PC by now, it's probably not coming to PC. Plus, I think the developers of that have now been like transitioned to Call of Duty.
1: That is correct.
0: (laughs) Then had a $4.20 donation from Mr. Studmuffin. who he writes, hey, Nate and MVG, as always, uh, I love the podcast. Do you guys think Meetopia could be this year's Animal Crossing? Everything I've seen, including the surprisingly in-depth meme Maker, gives me vibes that this could explode on social media. Thoughts? Yes. We actually <laughs> touched on that on in this episode, that it does have potential to be this year's Animal Crossing, maybe not in terms of overall sales performance, but have that casual appeal where people who want to make interesting looking Miis and just enjoy a very lighthearted RPG might flock to this game. So definitely see that it has great potential. And that meme Maker is definitely blowing up on social media. People have made some frighteningly realistic looking Miis.
1: Would you say this is a surprise or do you think Nintendo knows exactly what is oh. is going to happen here? They know exactly how the marketing and how this is all going to play out. I think it might surprise Nintendo if it
0: performs very, very well. I think they have their baseline, but I think it has potential to exceed that, and they will be surprised by it. They were surprised by Animal Crossing when it sold lifetime expectations in like the first month, and I'm not saying Metopia will. You know replicate that but i think it might surprise nintendo and bring in more revenue than expected we then had a hundred dollar donation from vanicera the second dedication for today's episode and they write i want to thank you both on behalf of retrorgb.com. you two do amazing work and it is so awesome to see you both succeed The in-depth discussions, knowledge, and experience is second to none. The show is a joy to listen to, and I admire the professionalism.
1: Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. And just shout out to RetroRGB.com. I know Bob pretty well. He's a good guy and uh, great, uh, great feedback. Then had a $2 donation from Mundus. Who writes, hi,
0: I am wondering what you think about the EU prices for PlayStation 5 games from Sony specifically current exchange rate. They are about $96 over a hundred dollars here in Sweden. I'm getting flashbacks to the N64 of the nineties, which Nintendo got sued over and lost by the way. Yeah. Way back when the pricing for PlayStation 5 software was officially detailed late last year, we had an episode where I went in on Sony and said the pricing is completely unfair especially in the European region they increased prices exceptionally in areas like the UK, Sweden and such and I understand they're trying to do that price parity for worldwide of just, you know, $70 across the board but the pricing went up from I believe it was like 50 pounds to 70 pounds and that was a lot more than just going up from 59.99 to 69.99 in the US it was substantial leap. And I know in other regions like Australia, the software is incredibly expensive.
1: Yep. Returnal costs $125. (sighs) Like,
0: yeah. And unfortunately for the consumers who really don't like this new pricing structure, games have been selling well. So Sony is going to stick with the $70 price tag for you know the foreseeable future. The market responded positive to the pricing so publishers are just seeing dollar signs and they're gonna continue to price games at that at that figure Then had a hundred dollar donation from daily beating the third of today's hat trick of dedications they write if you could force one of the big three sony nintendo microsoft to crossbreed one of their big IPs with a third-party development team or style, what would you pick? My dream is a from soft Nintendo-developed Zelda Souls-like game.
1: Hmm. Huh. <laughs> this is... I mean, there's a lot of different choices here, right? Um, you could... <laughs> yeah, I mean... I could easily say a blue point eternal darkness game or um, right. something along those lines. I mean, there's def- there's so many permutations here that I can't just pick one. There's there's some really good, good ideas here, but I don't know. I, I, I like my, I like my blue point eternal darkness idea. What it's a good think, one. Um, hmm. I would go,
0: this is getting deep. I would go with a Team Ninja Killer Instinct spinoff starring Jago as the lead character in a ninja game where you fight other characters from the Killer Instinct universe and the end boss is Fulgore.
1: Oh, I like this. Now, I have to ask, is this Team Ninja with Itagaki or without Itagaki? oh boy let's say <laughs> <play> with okay
0: <laughs> and i guess man i guess that would be a microsoft game because they own killer instinct
1: they they do own killer instinct
0: wow. yeah that'd be that would be i think that'd be my pick I'm, team ninja killer off. i'm all about it
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's ship it
0: Let's go. Make it a reality. If it's announced at E3,
1: because
0: I will <laughs> That's not a hint. I don't I don't need to see that. <laughs>
1: yeah, reset here tomorrow. We'll see.
0: Then <laughs> had a three dollar donation from Jose. right love the show and big fan of both of you guys' content. My question is: I have 141 Wii U games. I'm going for the complete set. I still don't have Devil's Third. Game and Wario or Axiom Verge. Should I go after them now or kind of hope the prices drop? I I don't think Devil's Third will be dropping.
1: I don't think any of those games will drop in price. I think they're just going to continue to go up.
0: I just looked at the price of Game and Wario complete in box. And it's over $120.
1: Now, I have a sealed Devil's Third and I have a sealed Axiom Verge. I don't have the Game & Watch game, though.
0: Yeah, Devil's Third Sealed is upwards of like 400 bucks.
1: Ooh, Really? Damn. Yeah. I didn't think it was that expensive because they remember they kind of did a second run of that. And they, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to say flooded the market, but like it didn't really <laughs> seem like it was that expensive. Yeah, I, I, yeah to, uh, I don't see the price going down for either of those three. I have to check out my Wii U collection and see how much value there is in there.
0: No kidding. <laughs> I'm surprised at some of these Wii U
1: things. Like Axiom
0: Verge, I know, is quite pricey because <laughs> I had a limited availability. Game of Wario, I'm surprised by. But, I mean, if, it depends on what you're looking for. I'd say if you're looking for used, complete-inboxed, or brand-new... But I wouldn't imagine prices are going to come down for any of those because they've mostly been out of print now for many years. Yeah. Then had a $5 donation from Kaliche, who writes, Saludos, Nate El Audio EMVG, Excelente trabajo que hasim muchachos. Siempre los escucho. En Colombia tienen muchos fans. And that roughly translates to, Greetings, Nate and MVG. Excellent work. Big fan. You you. have many fans in Colombia. Thank you. And very well uh, spoken, Nate. My Portuguese heritage, finally used to speak. Spanish and Portuguese share a lot in common, so Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully I pronounced most of that correctly. It's been a while since I've spoken Portuguese or Spanish. (laughs) Then had a $20 donation from Alec082, who writes, love the podcast and look forward to them. Question for MVG or Nate. Is there anything you've heard about PlayStation 4 pros reading Blu-ray and games, but not DVDs? It will read if I DVDs, if tap the top, but not otherwise. Any ideas as to why?
1: I am not really familiar Hmm. with that. I mean, it's weird if you tap it, it will read the DVD, but not if you don't. Not sure about about that stuff. I know that there's people that have tried to plug in external drives and stuff and they've had some level of success, but honestly, it's not really an area that I'm really versed in yeah i'm not too sure about that i also don't have a playstation 4 pro so
0: um yeah that's odd sounds like it might just be a little off kilt maybe Mm -hmm. possibly yeah doesn't really probably not something worth sending to sony to get fixed because they probably wouldn't even see the problem yeah but yeah i'm not too sure why that would be happening And that was the final StreamLab question of the week. Thanks everyone who has made donations. We do greatly appreciate your generosity week to week. And we hope our answering of your questions brings you knowledge and information to the questions you are asking. We enjoy reading and answering your questions every single week. And we hope you enjoy listening to us give answers. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Thank you for having me on, Nate. It was always great to be here. And let us know your thoughts on today's topic of Nintendo's fiscal year report and some of their guidance for the coming fiscal year in the comment section below. And if you agree with any of our takes, like will the Switch catch the PlayStation 2 or the Nintendo DS and some of the general hardware forecasting that Nintendo has presented, do you think the Switch will outperform Nintendo's own guidance or potentially even underperform? And be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.